What is up, ladies and gents? It's your boy, Junkyard Jimmy. We are here live. We're going to talk about the assumption of risk here today on the Junkyard. So without further ado, let's get going. This is the Junkyard. Like I said, this is the Junkyard Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Junkyard Jimmy. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button, like this video, and share it. Get this page, the Junkyard Media Group, worldwide here. I have to get some things off my chest today, though, about pro wrestling. And... Um, some kind of things have been going on, and, and to me, what seems to be a form of hypocrisy when it comes to certain groups of the um, wrestling fans. And it's, and it's hypocrisy to me, not because they don't call out specific instances and, and multiple groups, you know, uh, for instance, when one company does a risky stunt, they call it out. And then they may call it out on the other side of the aisle, but they're, they're far less active in that other group's um, demise over the, the main group. And, and more specifically, it seems like a lot of these people are, they give WWE a lot more um, slack when it comes to the stunts and the spots that they do compared to AEW. And in particular, I'm thinking about like Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay's match at Forbidden Door a few weeks back. Everyone um, and what is, I guess, called the casual wrestling community, um, they, they got up in arms about how dangerous the spot was the Tiger Driver 98 that was that was performed and that we as fans should somewhat push for the these type of moves and these type of spots to to cease to exist and that we shouldn't cheer for Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay and the countless other people that do these types of spots and yet nothing about WWE and the, the countless spots. It's, you know, I, I put a, a TikTok out the other day of, of, of this, of one of the members here sharing uh, um, his thoughts and a quick little TikTok rant about how, um, about how uh, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay's spot was just dumb and whatnot. Um, and and I shared, like, they, they're so slow to respond to Ricochet and Logan Paul and their spot at Money in the Bank just a few days ago. 
I haven't seen one person, not this person in particular, not anybody in this so-called casual wrestling community say one thing negatively about Logan Paul and Ricochet. They give so much slack to the WWE, and they're so hard on AEW. And at, at some point, I wonder if, if, if it's not the moveset that they're upset about, it's the company that's allowing the moveset to happen is the reason why they're so up in arms. But I want to talk about uh, the start off the show here, um, the assumption of risk. And, and here's how I look at it. And Kenny Omega actually responded to all of these people who are saying, like, should he have done the move? And and his response essentially was, if I didn't feel like I could have done it safely, then I would have never done it at all. If he didn't feel like he could do it, he wouldn't have done it. And I, I feel like people don't understand this. Kenny Omega is a 17-plus-year pro. Will Ospreay is a multi-year pro in the in the wrestling business. They know what they're doing. They've, they've traveled the world and done these moves hundreds of times. They are focused on safety. But it's entertainment. And at some point, you have to go out there and hit moves that make it seem like the other guy is in danger. That's the point of wrestling. Hell, back in the 90s, Brian Pillman brought a real gun to st- and um, it was about to shoot Stone Cold on live television. It's part of the story. It's part of the entertainment. And there's that assumption of risk. I can name countless people that have been injured doing the most simplest of moves that are essential to the fundamentals of pro wrestling. And yet those moves don't get scrutinized because they're simple, but the, you know, the ones that have an elevated risk are always the ones that are, that are scrutinized. And, 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 and here's my opinion. It's part of the show. It's part of the job. The wrestlers know there's an assumption of risk. Every time they step in the ring, they could end that they could end up leaving the ring a little more injured than they came into the ring. And so there is an assumption of risk. It is a contact sport. It is it is entertainment, but it is a contact sport. And as much as football is a contact for, sport. Like we we're not going to take the tackling out of football. We're not going to take the hitting out of hockey and we're not going to take the, the, the body slams and the, the, you know, the contact out of wrestling. It's, it's an integral part of the source of entertainment. And so there is an assumption of risk that comes with being a pro wrestler. And I think, I, I don't think it's necessarily that they're calling out the move because I can see that is a dangerous move, but they're calling for them to stop doing it. Yes, maybe, you know, if you look at it, Kenny doesn't land on his neck. Kenny doesn't land on his head. He lands on his shoulder. And yes, that does damage to his spine. That does damage to the back. But it's the safest way to land that move. But because there's an elevated risk, and more honestly, because it's AEW allowing it to happen, and, and because WWE bans moves and AEW won't, I 
feel like they're up in arms over nothing. It's literally nothing. And they're claiming they want to make wrestling safer and we want to see these people have long, long, um, healthy lives after the wrestling career is up. But like Hulk Hogan's finisher was a leg drop. And that did a lot of damage to him. A leg drop did a lot of damage. Like, let, let, let's go through the list of some of these. Seth Rollins injured Sting on a buckle bomb. Took him out for several years. WWE would never clear him to wrestle again. Finn Balor got hurt on a buckle bomb. Drozdov, RIP, you know, took a, a, a power slam the wrong way from D'Lo Brown. Paralyzed. Simple move. They've even said they've done it to each other several, you know, hundreds of times. Just this one time, it just didn't end up the right way. So there's the assumption of risk. Let's think of more. Daniel Bryan. Bryan Danielson, right? WWE, it took them forever to clear him. Edge, neck problem. It wasn't because they did some spectacular, you know, stunt that caused his neck injury. Page. Enzo Amore, for Pete's sakes, gave himself a concussion, hitting the rope the wrong way, exiting the ring. And so there is an assumption of risk when you become a wrestler. And I know I'm repeating that phrase, but that's the phrase I want you to understand. There is an assumption of risk. And it is not fair for some guy on the sidelines who's never laced up the boots, who's never had a match, who's, you know, they call themselves casual fans, and, and, I'll, and I'll get to that in a minute, but they, they're the most hardcore fans when it comes to this stuff because they're the, they're the biggest, you know, complainers about it, more, more so than the actual hardcore fans. But they call themselves casual, so, so, you know, my assumption would be that they've never laced up the boots, they've never ran the ropes, they've never had a match. They're just watching it Monday morning quarterback style, right? And it's not fair for them to say, Hey, maybe maybe you should not do that. Hey, maybe uh, you should do it. You know, more safer moves. You know, can, you know, it'd be like if if I ha- if I had a clogged toilet to the like one that I couldn't unclog myself, and I had to call a plumber out, and I watched the plumber do what he had to do, um, and he was like, "Well, your toilet needs to be replaced." It's so badly clogged, the toilet needs to be replaced. The pipes need to be replaced. And I was like, uh, no, I think we can just like unclog it this way. Like, why? Why? How do I know? Why would I call the plumber out if I knew what to do? Why am I calling the plumber out? Why am I questioning a professional? These guys are professional wrestlers. This is what their job is. They go in there day in and day out. And if they didn't think they couldn't make the move safe, they wouldn't even try it. It isn't it. The point of wrestling is to entertain the crowd. And I saw this diagram um, a few weeks ago talking about the different styles of wrestling and how they entertain the crowd. And, and actually was pretty spot on. So you think about like in Mexico, a lot of Mexican wrestling is based on pageantry and, and like, you know, Lucha, Luchadoras, Luchadors, and like this, this pageantry and, and this artistic style of like flipping and, 
And that's how they tell their story. It's through the pageantry of wrestling. And you go to the Americas, North America specifically, and uh, the United States, and, and, and their type of, of wrestling is it's, it's based on – the storyline is not based so much on the move set, but based on some sort of ethical qualm that the characters have with each other. So what is right and what is wrong? And, and perfect example is the Roman Reigns story. The Usos were tired of taking Roman Reigns' narcissistic bullshit, and therefore they turned on him because that was what was right to them to that was what was right for them to do. And so it's an ethical qualm in these states, more so than what move set you have. You're, you're telling a story through the basis of right and wrong. And you go to Europe, and it's you know the story is basically like who's the strongest wrestler. Who can do the most damage in wrestling? And so you get this European style of like stiff chops and um, just, it's not Japanese strong style, but it's like British strong style, German strong style. It's just the power of who's the, the toughest and strongest and most badass wrestler. And that's Europe. And then you get to Japan, and the story is told through the ring. So the whole character arc is told in the match. And so you take a look, and, and you can you can tell you, – you can know a Kuzeshko Okada match because they all start and basically the same way. It's really slow, and they're, you're getting to know the characters. There's not a lot of development in the match. It's – these matches take quite a while to get going, and then they start going and start introducing their skill sets, and then we hit the climaxes when all the most like the most action is in the and the match speeds up, and they're, and they're telling a story from start to finish in the ring, and then the, the they hit the climax, and then they go down, and now there's resolution, and the match ends, and so you got to understand where Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay spent the most of their time wrestling, Europe. In Japan. And so they mix those styles of wrestling together. And it may not be your style of wrestling. And so this is my response to all of these people. If you don't like these types of moves and these types of spots, turn the channel. Watch something else. Watch what you want to watch and then turn the channel. When you don't want to watch it, don't critique it because you haven't laced up the boots. I'm sorry. I am a person that... If I can't do what I'm complaining about, I'm not going to publicly complain about it. I'm not going to make a statement, you know, saying, well, I don't like X, Y, and Z when I know I couldn't do it myself. If I've never laced up the boots, how can I critique the moveset of a character? That's not my place. As a fan, and this this is really how I feel about it. As a fan, I feel like, our job as a fan is to is to do what fans were supposed to do, and that's cheer the babyface and boo the heel. Right? Like you can ha- you can like the heel, but you're supposed to boo them because that's their job is to get you to hate them in the storyline. And we've gotten so far away from like the fundamentals of like what a fan is supposed to be in pro wrestling that. None of that happens anymore. And everybody feels like they have to have their need to complain. Let me tell you this. There's, there's, a, there's an assumption of risk in pro wrestling. 
But it's not our job to call out this risk. Just like it's not our job to call out the risk of some acrobat in the circus. Or for me to call out the assumption of risk and say, maybe you should do it safer to evil Knievel as he's jumping, or his son as he's jumping, you know, he's getting blown out of, of a cannonball hole, you know? He becomes a human cannonball, you know? It's for entertainment. And if Omega and if Osprey feel comfortable doing these type of moves and they know that they can perform them to the top level of class and safety, then I have no issue with it. And I have no issue with Logan Paul's spot. I felt like it was a little sloppy. I felt like they didn't land, stick the landing the way that they were supposed to on the ropes, which made their fall onto the table more dangerous than it had to be. But at that point, you're 95% there. You got to finish the moveset. You know, you got to finish the spot or else you can, you know, ruin the flow of the match. And it, and it's all for entertainment. That's the point of a re- of wrestling is to entertain the crowd. And, and so you got to do whatever you can to entertain the crowd. And not every match has to have the overabundance of, of stiff shots and, and these specialty moves. But, you know... I think they're okay, and, and, and they should be allowed in the industry. I don't think we should call them out. I don't. It, there's no way that we can prevent injuries in wrestling. There's no way that we can become 100% safe. There's a reason WWE, even in the video game, puts do not try this at home everywhere that they go because there is that assumption of risk, and they are trained professionals who know what they're doing. And we can, and by limiting what can be done, we make the we make the product less entertaining for the fans and less safe for the profession for the individuals. You know what I'm saying? For it's just like football. They tried to make it so that hit hits to the upper body were like not. I wouldn't say not allowed, but discouraged, and it ended up making more players have lower body injuries than ever before. And and one, you know, every cause has an effect. And so there is that assumption of risk. And until you strap your boots and you run the ropes, I don't feel it's our place to make a statement about who should do what moveset in pro wrestling. And one that there, and I got a couple more things I wanted to mention. And the first thing is, the so-called casual wrestling fan, and, and I said earlier that, or the casual wrestling community, I said earlier that I feel like they're the most hardcore because they're the ones complaining about everything. They complain about so much, dude. Like, and it's usually against AEW because they have a different style than America. But like, here's a couple of things I want the casual wrestling fans to understand. America's not the dominant wrestling market like you think it is. That's why WWE is going through extreme lengths now to try to get international. And they're going to London. And now they're going to have a show in um, India. And they're, and they're trying to have these, you know, and Impact Wrestling went to Australia a couple weeks ago. And, and we're about to go to Wembley for AEW. <clears throat> the international market, anything outside of North America is the strongest market of pro wrestling fans in the world. The American market doesn't mean shit to the global infrastructure of wrestling. 
Like what we have here in as terms of like the indie scene doesn't even compare to what in, the indie scene looks like in England and Germany and Australia and all of the other European countries and Australia, uh, you know, oceanic countries, Japan and all of those areas. Their independent scene tramples our independent scene. And I love the independent shows in the States. We should support independent wrestling. But there's not even a like a similarity between the two. Outside of the states, the indie scenes are almost as popular, if not more popular, than WWE, AEW, New Japan, and all of that. They're really taken seriously over there. Not that we don't take our indie scene seriously, but like, it's there's no comparison between the two. So. Let's stop thinking that, like, just because WWE gets 2.5 million viewers in the States, that they're the best wrestling show, you know? Like, AEW only gets 830,000 people watching Dynamite. What's the number worldwide? What's the number worldwide? Let me tell you right now. The AEW video game was the number three best-selling video game of the last seven days. It hasn't even been out a week yet. It's already number three worldwide. The worldwide market loves wrestling. So no, I don't give a fuck about how wrestling does and in some independent and in some specific market. What is it doing on a worldwide scale? Who's the most popular wrestling company worldwide? And, and that's, that's the metric that I want people to understand. Why is Warner Brothers okay with, and Discovery okay with AEW getting 830K for Dynamite in the States? Because they're matching that or more worldwide. And so they got, you know, and those numbers are a bit skewed because typically one view is about one and a half people. And this is from, this is the math that Eric Bischoff always does. One view is one and a half people. So if it's 850,000 viewers, there's actually probably close to 1.3 million people watching. Um, if it's 900,000 viewers, it's typically somewhere around 1.35 million people view. Like, that's how you kind of have to understand is Nielsen rates um, one TV stream as a view and not everybody watching. And so you might have four people in the house watching one show. And so... That only counts as one viewer. Anyways, what's the worldwide market? So listen, casual fans. The, <laughs> the worldwide market means more than the U.S. market in pro wrestling. That's why everybody's making their biggest attempt to go worldwide now. Here's, here's another couple things. If you don't like something, don't fucking watch it. You don't have to sit here and complain. That's my biggest thing. Is they they're called they call themselves casuals and yet they complain about literally every minute minuscule issue that AEW or WWE or Impact Wrestling or whatever the fuck they want to talk about is wrong as if they have a better plan to fix it and here's my last plea if you know how to fix the wrestling industry create your own goddamn promotion don't sit here through a camera, and just tell us how everybody's doing everything wrong. Go and do it yourself. If you know so damn much about how to fix the wrestling industry, go and do it yourself.
And lastly, I want to talk a little bit about Roman Reigns got pinned by Jay Uso for the first time he got pinned in three and a half years. And so I like the way that the story is going as it is. I just hate one thing. Roman is still champion. Now, I know you can make Roman losing the champion mean a lot to whoever takes it, whether that be Jey Uso or Damian Priest or whoever the fuck it may be. It can still mean a lot even with Roman getting pinned. That's not my complaint. My complaint is this should have been the big moment where Cody Rhodes is champion and Roman, you know, like Roman could have lost to Jey Uso or Jimmy Uso here, taking the pin, and that be it. Like, that's the thing is, like, the WWE, the WrestleMania match, the WrestleMania match should have been Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, and Roman Reigns in a triple threat, where Cody wins or Sami wins by not pinning Roman, but by pinning the other competitor that for Roman doesn't look weak and then this happens where Jey Uso can finally pin his you know pin Roman he doesn't have a title still on him like that's my complaint is that he still has the title and so he's a weak champion right now and so it's so I kind of already see the writing on the wall that he's going to lose a SummerSlam because I my feeling is Roman is getting ready to go on a pretty big hiatus and he won't show back up probably until Royal Rumble or WrestleMania next year. And so that's my biggest complaint is I understand where you're doing it. Roman hasn't defended that championship, I think, since WrestleMania. That's why they put Seth Rollins as a champion, and I get that. But, like, he's fighting in matches and not defending the title. And it's like, when is he going to defend the title again? And I know the answer SummerSlam. But come on, you have, like, that. I hate when a champion fights in a match that's not for the belt on a pay-per-view. And he takes the pin. And I like the way that this story is going to, you know, Roman's going to unravel. Apparently this Friday they're putting Roman on trial and the and the the tribal trial or whatever they're calling it, um, and this is going to be a good storyline. And I now admit the last couple of weeks I have been really pretty interested in the storyline. I like that Roman took the pin. It's going to make him losing the championship mean more. Now he knows. Now people know that he can be beaten. The story now can be that when Roman doesn't have the Usos in his corner, he's not that big, strong of a champion anyway. Um, but to me, this could have we could have led to the point that we have now because Roman hasn't defended the title since WrestleMania anyway. We could have had him lose at WrestleMania in the way of he didn't take the pin, but he lost. And had it had it lead to this moment where this is now the climax of the feud, and every subsequent thing after now can lead to the resolution being that Roman Reigns is no longer tribal chief. Um, but instead we have Roman beat Cody, and I'm going to go back to this because I I think they made a colossal mistake by not letting Cody win that championship at WrestleMania, and. 
the end of the day, the story is great right now. The bloodline story is great right now, but I feel like it would have been a little bit better. It would have meant a little bit more, I think, had Jay won and Roman still not have the title. You know, Roman lost. The Usos could have lost the tag championships to, to you know, who, whoever they wanted it to be and created a really good tag division. And then had Roman just go down this road of like, now he got pinned. Now where's it going to go? You know, that's my only complaint about it. I think that I think it was perfectly executed. I honestly was shocked. I kind of thought we would see um, Gorillas of Destiny God show up, but they didn't. And uh, I guess they're still in New Japan, or maybe they're still free agents. I'm not sure exactly what's going on with them. But it was a good show. Money in the Bank. Honestly, it was from start to finish. It was actually pretty. Pretty fun to watch. I'm not a big WWE guy, so when I'm giving them compliments, it doesn't be Forbidden Door. And see, I don't. It's not fair for me to put Money in the Bank up against Forbidden Door because Forbidden Door was pay per view of the year for me. It's pay per view of the year, and Osprey and Omega at Forbidden Door was match of the year. I've already wrote that in. If if I do a yearly recap at the end of the year, it's going to be Forbidden Door pay per view of the year. Osprey Roman. Uh, Osprey, Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door, match of the year. Unless at All In, they do Omega versus Osprey Part 3, and that might be match of the year. You know, So Forbidden Door, at least right now, is, is pay-per-view of the year for me. Nothing's going to beat that. Money in the Bank was really good. Um, I'm okay with, with Damian Priest being the guy that has the, the case. Um, other than that, like I can't, I can't complain about the pay-per-view. You know, I'm happy my girl Liv got the belt. I'm happy Gunther retained. Um, WWE's putting good shit together. I was shocked when Cena came out, but I love that they did that promo promising WrestleMania, and I feel like they only did that because um, <laughs> AEW's going to Wembley um, in August. That's the only reason I feel like they had Cena go do that promo is to be like, you know what? You might get an all-in, but we'll give you a WrestleMania. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just trying to sabotage the the crowd there a little bit there. Overall, um, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. My hope was that I would have had a couple guests come in, and we could have I could have spent a lot more time talking and conversing about the uh, the assumption of risk and where's the line in wrestling because. Uh, of of safety and risk and all of that, but that fell through. And um, anyways, y'all, um, just a quick little chat here with you. This has been another episode of the Junkyard Podcast. I'm your host, Junkyard Jimmy. And until next time, um, I will see you then. This has been the Junkyard.